You know, I got my driver's license uh, right after my 16th birthday, as most 16-year-olds like to do. Now, I had no car of my own, but I looked for every opportunity to take our family car, this big old blue Chrysler, it's cool, to go anywhere I could go. I mean, I volunteered for picking up clothes at the dry, at the, uh, dry cleaners. I'd, I would go to the store and pick up anything at the grocery store, deliver fried chicken to shut-ins, anything I could do to be able to drive the car. Now, that was in April, and by about the 1st of June, my older brother, Mike, came home from Auburn uh, for the summer. Now, my brother owned a fine 1968 Pontiac GTO. I am talking. It was a sporty, four-in-the-floor muscle car. I'm talking the greatest of all time muscle car. They got all kind of attention. There it was. That looked just like it. I'm telling you, I always heard that GTO stood for gas, tires, and oil. I don't know if that's true or not. Lusting over his car, <laughs> I asked my brother if I could drive it to go on an errand that mom had agreed to send me on. I would look so much better in the GTO than in the blue Chrysler. So Mike was hesitant, but he okayed it if I would come straight back and not go anywhere else. So I agreed. Now, I always loved driving a stick shift. My dad made us learn to drive a stick shift before we could get our driver's license. Thank you, Dad. That was awesome. Uh, so I did my quick errand, and I took a little detour on the way home. About a 10-mile-out-of-the-way detour, uh, I was compelled by something to drive by Lydia's house and let her see me in the GTO and then go by Walt's house because he also left, lusted after my brother's GTO. And uh, about a half a mile from my house, the GTO conked out. I'm talking conked out, cold. Well, of course, I tried everything, but realized I was going to have to call for help. And this was, of course, the days before a cell phone or anything like that. So I had to walk to Irving Thompson's house and use his mother's phone to call my brother. In a few minutes, my brother showed up with Rodney Saxon, who was a mechanic, and I was sitting in the driver's seat as the hood was up, and they were talking. And then I heard Rodney say, Mike, for some reason, there's no gas getting into the carburetor. You're not out of gas, are you? Mark, he yelled, you're not out of gas, are you? I looked at the gas gauge, and my heart sank. It was below empty. <laughs> So with this confidence level of zero, I said, I'm not sure. <laughs> Mark, what is the gas needle pointing to? All I could do was shut my eyes and eke it out. Well, it's pointing to E. There was this moment of uncomfortable, awkward silence. And then I heard my brother sincerely apologize to Rodney for the trouble, and Mike made his way to me with eyes glaring and his lips pursed, and he said, Mark, you will never, ever ask to drive this car again. Do you understand? Whew. 
Mike did forgive me and eventually let me drive the GTO again. Not often. <laughs> but he didn't hold it against me for the rest of my life. And he wishes he had that GTO now because it'd be worth big bucks, right? <laughs> Sometimes we miss the obvious, don't we? Sometimes we miss the thing that is the most logical explanation. We miss the thing that we, we shouldn't miss in the first place. We're in the middle of our series called Viral, and we're talking about the book of Acts, how the Holy Spirit, through the church of Jesus Christ, this brand new group of people that were started out, about 120 of them in Jerusalem, ended up scattering through the entire Roman world in a generation. We talked about the incredible spread of Christianity. And in the book of Acts, it was fantastic. We've made our way to Acts chapter 19, and um, what happened in Acts chapter 19 is really amazing. It's really unprecedented, even in the whole book of Acts. You see, if Ephesus was the first metropolis that the gospel had ever gone to, it was the largest city so far that they had been able to go to. It wasn't as large as Rome, but it was a lot larger than all the other towns and villages that the gospel had gone to. So when they got there, the power of God was with them. I want you to read with me. I'm going to read Acts chapter 19, verses 8 through 12. Listen to it. As he entered the synagogue and for three months, look at that, three months, spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. He rented a place when he got kicked out of their synagogue. So this continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And then, look at verse 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Wow. I mean, the rest of chapter 19 tells even more about powerful things that, that the, the Holy Spirit did in the huge multicultural city of Ephesus. The largest city in the world at that time that heard the gospel. It was a big deal, folks. It was a big deal. This little boy walked into his bedroom one day, and he uh, saw that it was dark, and so he went back and told his dad that the light in his room wasn't working. So dad, who was, of course, Mr. Fix-It Man himself, uh, assured his little son, don't worry, son, I'll take care of it. So he grabbed his tools and his flashlight, and he went in the room, and he started to solve the problem. The little boy tagging behind him. And uh, first thing he did was the most obvious thing. He changed the light bulb, and that didn't work. So he checked the breaker box and flipped on the breakers and all that, and that didn't work. So he, he uh, checked the wiring at the light fixture and worked at the wiring, and everything checked out all right, and he couldn't figure out what had gone wrong. And he just couldn't, could, didn't want to call the man, as Aunt B says, and, and get the fix-it man to come and... Uh, fix it for him. So he was a little embarrassed because his son watched him with an epic fail there to fix. In the meantime, mom walked to the room, flipped on the light switch and said, what are y'all sitting here in the dark for? <laughs> it was just like me and my brother's GTO, wasn't it? <laughs> Missing the obvious. 
Cars don't run without fuel. Lights don't run without the switch being flicked on. Do you ever feel like you lack power in your life? Do you ever feel like you're powerless against temptation and sin? Do you ever feel like that you're powerless against the, the devil? Do you lack the strength to walk out your Christian faith that you sing about on Sunday mornings? When it comes to being outward focused with your faith, do you feel completely and absolutely powerless? Do you break out in a cold sweat just thinking about encouraging somebody in the Lord or praying for them at work or something? Not to mention sharing your own testimony. If that's you, then perhaps you're trying to do everything in your own power, in your own strength. Jesus said you're the light of the world. Jesus said we're the light of the world. But just changing the bulb won't change it. That won't do anything. The problem has to be the source. And I'm telling you, our source is God. There is no problem with God. So I guess we just need to flip the switch. It's time that we flip the switch. Why are we sitting here in the dark, powerless? Access the power. Hey, remember what was in verse 11 and 12? And Paul was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched his skin carried to the sick and the diseases left them and evil spirits came out of them. That's pretty big stuff. That's pretty big. Now, what I want to do is I want to back up and read where Paul and the early church got the power to do what we read about in verses 11 and 12. You ready? And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we hadn't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. You see, when they first came, first showed up at Ephesus, Paul, as usual, was going to look and see what had already, was already going on there, and he found some disciples. He quickly noticed, though, there was something missing. There was something that wasn't present that was present among other disciples. And so he began to ask them about it, and they, they told him this. They told him they had been baptized, they had repented of their sins, and they knew who Jesus was. But he realized that something had not, the whole story hadn't gone through. They didn't know that after the resurrection of Jesus, he had allowed the Holy Spirit to come and to fill them. They knew about repentance, they knew about Jesus, they knew about baptism, but they didn't know about Pentecost yet. They didn't understand that God had poured out his power on the church. They, they didn't understand what it was going to take to change a city. You see, the Holy Spirit moving is the only thing that can make a difference in the world. And what a difference it makes. So look at what happened in, in verses 5 and 6. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus... And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Woohoo! 
Look at that. Something happened. That phrase, and Paul began laying hands on them. Literally, in the Greek language, it means Paul began the process of laying hands on them individually, and they individually began receiving the Holy Spirit. It wasn't some group event that he went, Holy Spirit. It was a personal choice that those individual, there were 12 men in that room, 12 men, it's really odd, there were 12 disciples who took the gospel, and in Ephesus, there were 12 men in the room, and he laid hands upon them one at a time, and they each received an infilling, a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it began to change the city of Ephesus. Let me tell you what, Ephesus is one of the largest cities in the Roman Empire, and in no time, the word about Jesus went viral throughout the city. People either loved it or were scared to death of it. They either loved Christianity or they hated it. So two things happened, revival and persecution, both of them. <clears throat> Let's see where I am. I don't even remember. Okay, here we go. When you become a believer, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. That's true. But there's a difference in the Spirit dwelling in you and you being filled, baptized in his power. One read through of the book of Acts and you will see that God wants all believers to not only be saved, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now you know why the verses that I read in verses 11 and 12 happened. It's because the church at Ephesus received the power of God, not just the message of Jesus. It was the only way to reach a city like Ephesus, and it's the only way to reach the most unchurched county in Alabama, and that's called Shelby. The only way is going to be through the power of God, not through us, not just through our words, but through the power of God. There was a time in my life I felt like those 12 people from Ephesus that didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. I attended a wonderful church that told me all about Jesus, told me all about becoming a Christian, told, taught me about the Bible. I repented of my sins. I got baptized. But as a teenager, during the Jesus movement of the 1970s, I heard about this thing being filled with the Holy Spirit. And folks, it was like a, a fresh drink of water for a thirsty soul. And honestly, it changed everything about me. It flipped the switch in my life. I discovered the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm still discovering it more and more. I, I, now I can work in the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'm empowered because God himself is in me. And he's working through me. Flip the switch. Discover the power of the Holy Spirit that's got, that made the gospel go viral in the book of Acts. He's the same Holy Spirit that's in this auditorium today. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is our helper, partner, strength, comforter, teacher, and the voice of God that lives inside of us. That's pretty powerful, folks. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, including Ephesus and Shelby County, Alabama. Power to be his witnesses. Power to overcome temptation and sin and attacks of the enemy. Power to withstand trials and troubles. Power to walk the Christian walk. 
to live the Christian life, power that unlocks the gifts of the Spirit in our life. Hey, if you're not familiar with that power, it's time to flip the switch, folks. It's time to flip the switch. And it's not complicated. Do you know when I received the infilling of the Holy Spirit, I had been seeking for a long time and seeing what this was, and I heard, heard people talk about it and saw people lay hands on people and all this stuff. And I went out, I was at a retreat, and I went out in the woods and sat in a patch of poison ivy and asked the Lord to fill me with the Holy Spirit, and He did, and I didn't break out. <laughs> it's true. It's not that complicated. It's not a group event. It's an individual choice. Today, you may, you may need to be seeking the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just get in the Bible and start reading about it. Start praying about it. Come to soak tonight. Come to soak tonight. We'll be praying for you to receive it tonight. How about that? Yep, soaks tonight. Yes. I want you, if you will, just to bow your heads for a second. I, I want to lead you in a prayer. And if, you, if you'll pray this with me, and if you'll pray it with your heart, you're going to understand something. Today, something's going to flip the switch in your heart. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I want to know about the Holy Spirit. I want to be led by your Spirit. I want to be filled by your Spirit. Show me the way to be completely controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit. I seek you with all of my heart. Now look up at me. You seek the Holy Spirit like that? You may be in a patch of poison ivy, or you may be in your prayer closet at home, or you may be at soak tonight, or you may be in a service with a group of people. But I want to tell you something. The Bible says if you seek the Holy Spirit, seek and you will find this is, a, this is a group of people that believes in the baptism and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. This is not a doctrinal issue. It is a New Testament truth in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord for stories we have in the book of Acts of leaders that understood the power of God to, to push the message of Jesus across the world in a viral way. The early church was blessed with spirit-led leaders. Those kind of leaders are not limited to the pages of the New Testament either. Kingwood Church has been blessed with those kind of leaders too for its almost 100 years of, of existence. Exactly one decade ago, the summer of 2009, God led Pastor Jay and Stacy and their family to Kingwood Church. And Pastor Jay didn't have an easy task ahead of him. He had to step into the shoes of a legendary pastor who had served Kingwood for over three decades of tremendous growth in ministry. But we know that God has given Pastor Jay West everything he needs to step into that role for Kingwood Church. Jay brought to this church a unique and timely set of gifts to push us to reach our ever-changing community. Today, we want to take a few minutes to celebrate the spirit-led ministry that the West family has brought to Kingwood Church that we've been blessed with for the last 10 years. Jay, would you and Stacy and your family come and join us on the stage for a moment? <laughs> 